0: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you.
1: Hunter, come and join us. Hunter, if you've been doing Alpha, needs no introduction. Um, he, we actually have him here for his comedic value. And again, especially if you've been doing Alpha, you know that he starts every, sesh, every week with a joke that is, I, I, I laugh every time. Life-changing. It is life-changing. And um, let's just check that your mic's on. <clears throat> and um, now? No. let me see. Now. Excuse me. Yeah, This is, we're friends. Yeah, I'm going to let you put this back. Already, I'm having a blast. There you are. You're is on. It, on now? it is on now. Hey. Um, but Hunter's a dear friend of mine, and he preached uh, just after, in the summer. And uh, I'd love you to just, you know, pay attention. And the reason why the Lord has put it on my heart for, to have him speak is because he's a good friend. And sometimes we need to hear from good friends. So um, that's how he's coming to you today, and let's pray for him. Lord, thank you for Hunter. Thank you for the scholar that he is and for the man that he is. We ask you to bless him, put power on his message, and give us ears to hear, in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Thanks, Dave. Uh, So for those I haven't met, my name's Hunter. Uh, I'm married to Mary Beth. I have five children. I'm not a real preacher, so I'm going to do my best, uh, and, and I, I like to start uh, with a bit of confession. Um, you know, I, I listened to JD's message last week about authenticity, and, and it struck me that this church is not sanitary, uh, but it's safe, and so uh, I'm going to start just by telling you all I've had a genuinely terrible week, uh, and, and not a terrible week in like a... I didn't do a good job on the project at work. A terrible week in the sense that a lot of my failures uh, came, came to light. And, and, uh, and a lot of my failures came to light in a way that they affect those around me. And that's some of the most painful experiences for me. Uh, and it got to the point where I called Dave Tuesday morning and I said, I, I don't think I'm sort of qualified to stand up this week. Uh, I don't think I'm the guy that should be preaching. Uh, And Dave, because I love him, said, I think that's exactly why you're supposed to be preaching. Uh, And so I tell you, I think sometimes there's an impression that folks who stand up here have things figured out. Uh, I'll tell you on this one, I don't. Uh, I'm in it with y'all, I'm trying to learn. Uh, And this very much comes from a place of my own need, not a place of my own strength. and it's just where I am. And so my prayer this morning is that, is that the, <laughs> the Lord's power would be made perfect in my weakness. Uh, and so I want to zone in on one verse this morning, Second Timothy 1.7. Uh, for the Lord did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. The NIV says it a little bit differently. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but, makes, but gives us power and love and a sound mind. So we're just gonna do one verse. Uh, we might even not, we, we might just only have one word. Uh, we might only focus on that word power, uh, but I was trained as a lawyer, so it, I, it may take 15 minutes to explain this one word. Uh, so, so this verse is special to me because this was actually the first verse I ever memorized. Uh, I, went, I walked into a Young Life campaigners meeting when I was 14 and uh, there's this room full of high schoolers and, and I wasn't very mature and so I assumed the way that you impressed other people is uh, by being smarter and showing that off to them. And so I thought before the campaigners started I would memorize the verse we were going to study. Uh, it turned out nobody in that room was nearly as impressed with me as I thought they ought to have been. Uh, but I'm very thankful that this verse has stuck with me. Uh, so I memorized 2 Timothy 1.7 when I was 14 years old, uh, and I've known it since then. But the reality is I actually didn't experience what it meant for about another 22 years. And I think that's a kind of a sum, <laughs> summation of my life. When I learn lessons, I often start by knowing them. I start by studying them, Uh, it sort of all starts up here and the path to really knowing it, to really experiencing it, takes me just a long time. Uh, And the reality is that that's actually, that's the point God wants us to get to. I think it's, it's important for me to hear that just knowing it is insufficient. The Lord actually wants us to experience his truth. Uh, it, when you look in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for know, the, know, the word that we translate know, is yada. And this is this weird word because the Hebrew word doesn't mean like to know things intellectually, it actually means to know them through experience. And you see this when you look at the scriptures, right? You read Exodus, and God keeps saying, I'm going to do this thing so that you will know that I'm God right, over and over and over again. He says, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna provide you manna so that you will know that I am God. Well, that's super confusing. It's like, God, if the Israelites haven't figured it out by now, I don't think like manna is gonna be the difference maker, right, but he's not convincing them of knowledge. He's saying, I'm going to do this for you so that you will experience that I am God. Uh, I think, like, you know, one of everybody's favorite verses, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. I've got five kids. Despite what anybody asks me in the grocery store, yes, I know how they got there. I can assure you that knowing and thinking about my wife has never resulted in a child. To know in God's economy, to yada something, is to experience it. And so my prayer this morning is not just that we would know this, but that we would experience the lesson God has for us. So who was Timothy? I think it's worth just asking really quick. Paul writes this letter to Timothy. We know a couple things, right? Off the bat, we know that he comes from a long line of faithful women. Uh, The interesting thing, it doesn't mention his dad. There's a reason for that. Timothy's mom was Jewish, his dad was Greek. Uh, And so in the Jewish world, that actually made him what they would call a mumser. Uh, We translate that world into literally bastard, right? And so Timothy was an outsider. Mumsers couldn't marry into the community. They lacked social standing in many ways. So so we know Timothy was an outsider. We know he wasn't sort of the Jews Jew. We know that he was timid, right? Paul writes to the Corinthians. He's like, hey, I'm sending Timothy to you. If you guys can just make him feel at peace. We just know he wasn't like a proud stand-up guy. We also know despite his no standing, despite his timidity, Paul picked him to lead the church at Ephesus. Uh, It was the second largest city in the Roman empire after Rome, right? And so if you think like a bishop, if you're like, hey, I need the guy to lead like the next biggest church, you're like, I'll take the outsider who's kind of timid and who has no standing. So he's already in this you know, sort of f- fraughtful position. And if, if, if ever you read this and go, yeah, but that's for the like, real, you know, real people, know that Timothy had no standing. Timothy was the least likely person you would pick to lead the second biggest church uh, in the area. And so Paul says, the spirit God has given you doesn't make you timid, but he gives you power. What does it mean that the spirit gives us power? I think there's kind of two types of power, and it's worth defining which one we're talking about, right? Uh, When I think, who's the most powerful person in the world? Like, there's a lot of options, right? You could go Joe Biden, you could maybe go Putin, Uh, You might say some really rich guy. Uh, I asked my kids last night who the most powerful person in the world was hoping for like a great sermon analogy Uh, and Cameron and I ended up spending 10 minutes. He explained to me that really nobody has power over you unless you give it to them and so uh, he's like a future John Locke here, right? He's like consent of the governed but you can think of a lot of people when you think of power, and then I asked my two little boys, Rory and Lockwood. I said, "Hey, do you think that God gives you power?" And Lockwood looks at me and he goes, "You mean like superpowers?" I was like, "Maybe." I was like, "Rory, what do you think?" And he just he was laying on his bed at night and he goes, "Power." And so the whole time I was praying with him, Rory just kept going, "Power." And when I read this, I actually think Rory and Lockwood got it better than I did because the word uh, that Paul uses here is dunameos. And like, I'm just gonna be clear, I'm not a Greek scholar uh, by any stretch, but there's this website called biblehub.com and you can click on any word and it'll just show you where else in the scriptures that word's used, super helpful, right? So when I look at this word dunameos, here's the thing, more often than not, that word is translated mighty works. More often than not, it's actually translated miracles. Uh, Luke 4.36, they're talking about Jesus and they're like, who is this guy? And they say, for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Mark 6.2, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Okay, so the word power that the Spirit gives us is more like miracles than like control. I, you know, I define this as I think about it as the ability to bring the supernatural into the natural. So the power the Spirit gives us is the ability to bring the supernatural into the natural. So here's my question. (laughs) Do we know that power? Have I experienced that power? Do I yada that power? For me, I hadn't for most of my life. Uh, When people talked about the Holy Spirit, it was kind of like, yeah, not for me, right? when I think about growing up, it was sort of, when I thought about the Trinity, it was like God, Jesus, and the other guy, right? Like that's not the sort of thing we talk about in Save Company. Uh, and then I came to All Saints, uh, the church, and, and, and people started talking about the Holy Spirit like he was real <laughs> and, like he was, and, and like he mattered. And, and frankly, at the time in my life, more important to me was they weren't weird. Right? They talked about them, but they weren't strange. They weren't kooky. Uh, but they actually talked about it. You know, I, I, I sort of listened to Judy's story. They, they talked about prayer like it actually worked. Uh, and they would experience God in ways that I didn't understand and I hadn't experienced. And so I said, hey, I, like, I want that. What, they seem to have something that I don't and I'm interested in it. And so, so I started praying. Uh, And it wasn't like this total aha moment for me. Uh, As with all things, you know, when I get in a swimming pool, I'm not the guy that like jumps in the deep end. I kind of ease in as slowly as possible. That was sort of my experience. Uh, And so I eased in. And as I came, people would come up to me and would share things the Lord had told them uh, about me. And it was this sort of powerful experience But even the things they were saying, it was sort of like, hey, this thing I see in you that's a very natural thing, I think the Lord put that in there. And it was true, it was real, uh, and it was powerful. But the eye-opening experience for me was when I started to experience God in ways I couldn't explain. It wasn't like, hey, this gift that I've seen in you, your intelligence is a gift of God. But it was like when I prayed, things actually happened that I couldn't naturally explain. And that's kind of the thing about the supernatural, right? Is the supernatural doesn't act like the natural. And so if your sort of expectation of the Holy Spirit is like, well, he only works in these ways and it's sort of A to B to C, that's not the way he works, right? If you think about the disciples when Jesus said, hey, wait here, the Holy Spirit's gonna come. Just don't go anywhere, he's gonna come. How many of them do you think were betting on tongues of fire, coming from the sky, speaking languages they'd never heard, and acting like drunk people. I guarantee you if they were like casting lots, that was not what they were waiting for, right? And so the Holy Spirit doesn't follow our sort of perfect formulas, and that because he's not natural, he's supernatural. And so we can't expect the supernatural to act like the natural. And then these last couple years, I've I've been introduced to this concept that we have power. And I think, I think there's a way in which I got that, right? I said, hey, I, I can pray and God will exert his power on my behalf. That's a thing I felt like I had permission to do but Paul's actually saying something different, and I think it's subtle but important. Paul is saying the Spirit gives you power. It's not just you can ask me to do it for you. (laughs) It says you have the power, the power is in you. And I get fishy, right? That sounds weird to me, so let's, let's just take a second and look at some of what Jesus said about this thing. John 14, 12, Jesus is looking at his disciples and he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than this. So Jesus says, listen guys, when I leave, you are gonna actually do greater things than I've done. Let's look at our gospel reading. Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. See, sometimes Jesus says, like, hey, guys, like, ask me anything and I'll do it. But then, This is actually different, right? Jesus says, if you had faith, you could look at the mulberry tree and tell it, go, go bury yourself in the, in the water, and it would do it. Like, I want to be super clear. Like, I don't have that faith, right? Like, I don't look at mulberry trees and think, you know what I bet I could do? Like, get it to go over there. But I actually think that's the confidence in the Holy Spirit that the Lord wants us to have. Let's look at the disciples' lives for a second. Matthew 10.1. Jesus calls his 12 disciples to them, and he gives them authority to drive out evil spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosies, drive out demons. God actually sends them out to cast out demons. And we know that they did it by by the power of their own words, not their own power, but they did it on their own because at one point they come back to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we tried to cast out this demon and it wouldn't go. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, that kind only goes out by prayer. Right, so we know the thing they were doing was not like praying over people and saying, hey, God, would you come? They were actually using some power they had to cast out demons. Acts 3.6, Peter uh, sees a lame man. He's, he's begging. And Peter says, hey, gold and silver I don't have, but let me give you the one thing I have. And he looks at him and he says, in the name of Jesus, walk and the man stands up and walks. Paul says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So I read all these things, and I genuinely have to ask myself, if I have everything they had, why am I not doing what they did? If I have everything that they had, why am I not doing what they did? I think it's because I don't actually understand the authority I have. Uh, Charles Kraft, uh wrote this book, I Give You Authority, and he uses the analogy of, of a son going off to college. Uh, and he asks his dad uh, for his name on the credit card. He says, hey dad, like, you have a credit card, can you, give me, can you give me my own credit card on your bank account with my name? I think it's a pretty great analogy, right? Because you could look at this and go, this sounds weird. Like, are, are we taking God out of the equation? And the point is, like, not remotely. That credit card is entirely backed by his dad's credit, by his dad's bank account. The limit is set by his dad. But if his car breaks down... He has the full authority to use that card up to the full limit his father has given him. He could look at it and he could choose not to, right? The car could be broken down and he could go, well, I don't really know if I have permission. I'm not really sure if the car is good. I'm not really sure if the card is for me. But the reality is when the father gives his son this gift, his expectation is that he'd use it up to the limits he's given him. No questions asked. And so that's the sort of authority and the sort of power that I think God has given us. It's not that the power comes or starts with us. And it's not for our sake, right? But I do think it's there. And I do think the Lord wants us to use it. <laughs> so I've debated telling this story. And then the, the Bible verse is like, don't be ashamed of, of the testimony Uh, And so I got to tell this story. So Mary Beth and I were getting ready to go on a trip uh, recently. And we had to leave at like six in the morning. And the night before, our air conditioning just goes out. And we're about to leave for like eight days. uh, And our air conditioning goes completely out, middle of the summer in July. And I'm thinking, this is awesome like, I don't know what we're going to do. We got like wine. I'm like moving the wine upstairs. So it doesn't, you know, like get in that. That was my first thought, by the way, like protect the wine. Um, (laughs) and so I changed the thermostat, hoping that'll fix it. We go to bed. I wake up at five in the morning and, and the air conditioning is just completely out. It's like 90 degrees in the house. Uh, and when I fiddle with it, I can hear the compressor like starting, but not really going. It'll go sort of like vroom, and then just power down. And so I did something. <laughs> I walk outside, and I go, I'm going to pray for, for my air conditioning unit. And, and I put my hands on both sides of it. And I go, in the name of Jesus, and it goes vroom, and I took my hands off and it powered down and I was like, no way, this is not real, right? So I, so I get a tighter grip and literally in the name of Jesus, I am yelling at my air conditioning unit and I am saying, come Holy Spirit. I don't know what needs to happen, come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And it sort of goes vroom, 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 and it powers up. And I just start weeping. God, God has to teach me in some strange ways, right? But I just start weeping, and I'm going, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, it's, you know, it's 5.30 in the morning. We're packing the car, and Poppy walks out, and in all her sort of sass and early morning cynicism goes, Dad, why are you playing to the air conditioning unit? <laughs> I don't know, right? I don't know. And I'm not saying that I I have since. I was like, maybe I got a thing. And so my car, the check engine light was on and I prayed over it, nothing, right? (laughs) And so it's not like a a trick I now have. Uh, But I think the Lord wanted to convince me that I had the ability to bring the supernatural into the natural. And for one moment, as silly as it is, I kept, we have a girl living at our house. I kept texting her all weekend. I was like, is the AC still on? Like, did it, like how long does this last? Uh, and she was like, it's still there. I was texting Dave. I was like, like should, I, should I still get the maintenance man? It feels like maybe this is a reprieve. By the way, it still works. Uh, but I think the Lord needed to convince me for just one moment. I had faith to believe that the Lord cared about my air conditioning unit, that he cared about my trip to go see my grandfather, right? And I prayed, and I invited the Lord in, and I exerted the power I believed he'd given me. <laughs> and the freaking thing works, right? It's crazy. Uh, and so I think there's an invitation, right? For me, it wasn't the first time, but it was such a solid milestone in my journey of it going from believing God gave me power to experiencing it. Uh, and I think for a lot of folks in the room, right? Uh, that feels totally weird. And we're going to talk about how you, might, how you might ask for that here in a second. But I think there's a group of people who also have, have been in churches and been around preachers who talked about power, uh, and it wasn't well executed. It didn't make you feel loved. And so I think, I'm, I don't have time, but I think it's really critical to realize that the Spirit doesn't just give us power. He also gives us love. And he also gives us self-control. right? Paul, Paul says, I could have all the gifts in the world. I could prophesy with the best of them. But if I don't have love, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And so I think it's important for us to hear that it's not for us just to wield as we feel like it. right? It's gotta be balanced with love. It's gotta be for the sake of others and for the sake of God's glory. And it's gotta be measured with self-control. And so how do we get this, right? How do I live in a way that I'm exerting the power I believe God's given me? I think if you look at the verse right before First uh, Timothy, Timothy 6, he says, fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Right, so it's fanning the flame. When you receive Christ, you receive everything, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It's, but there, there are gifts that will come by the laying on of the hands. And then it's upon us to fan the flame, right? You actually, you can have all of the Holy Spirit and not be blowing on that pilot light, not be blowing on those embers and raising the flame. And so in, in reality, this is an invitation. It's not like a conviction, right? It's not like you you haven't been doing it right. But it's an invitation that there's more and that God's power wants to enter the world and he wants it to enter the world through you and me. And so we have a couple weeks coming up. Uh, Emmy Wilson is coming uh, for the next two weeks to be with us. And then uh, we have a retreat at All Saints Dallas, uh, a one day retreat, like a Holy Spirit retreat where we're just going to talk about who's the holy spirit what does he do and how can i be filled if this feels like radically foreign or potentially scary uh, i i would encourage you guys to come to that uh, that for me was when i first opened sort of my heart to being willing to experience god in ways that were truly outside the natural that were outside my formulas and my cadences and my expectations and so that's sort of my prayer today, is that we would fan the flame of the gift that, is God, that God has given us, and that we would know that God has given us his spirit, uh, who does not make us timid, but gives us
1: power and love and self-control. Amen. Amen.